I think for too long, we have really subscribed to this belief that every job that we have needs to fit neatly into this linear path that has a singular destination. We put so much weight and so much stress on each career decision because we don't want it to divert us from the path that we've been on or the path that we think we need to follow. Work and life looks a lot more like a squiggly line than a neat linear ladder. You're listening to Business Edge, the podcast for professionals looking to excel in the workforce. In each episode, our guests take a deep dive into their personal and professional experiences to give you an edge in the marketplace. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Business Edge Podcast. My name is Chrissy Vasquez, and today with me is Nicole Klemp. We're excited today to talk to Ashley Artrip. So we're going to introduce Ashley, and then we'll kick off the conversation. All right. So we have Ashley Artrip with us today. She's the co-founder and president of Mission Collaborative, and Ashley is on a mission to help others design successful careers that are engaging and fulfilling. Before Mission Collaborative, she worked at Gallup, where she focused on researching employee engagement and what contributes to a successful career. While at Gallup, she became a certified Gallup StrengthsFinder coach, enabling her to help others identify their strengths and harness them to design careers they love. After Gallup, she worked at SV Academy, which is uh, Fast Company's number two most innovative ed tech startup in 2020, where she helped first-generation college students and underrepresented minorities break into high-paying tech careers in Silicon Valley. Ashley's vision for the future of work is to ensure that every professional has access to the information, resources, and community needed to navigate the many career changes throughout their lives successfully. With so many antiquated rules of the workforce being rewritten, there has never been a better time to change the way people think about how they approach their careers. Ashley, we're so excited to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. So I'm curious, before we start, what are your five strengths? Yeah, I love that question right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> um, my first is individualization. Okay. Um, I won't go through every single description just for the sake of time, yeah. but individualization, yeah. discipline, competition, developer, and futuristic. Oh, nice. I worked at a nonprofit where that was a big part of the culture. And yeah. we used to do a session every Tuesday where somebody on staff would pick one of the um, strengths and go into it and talk about what are the peaks and valleys and yeah. things like that. So thought it would be fun to hear what you are. So yeah. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you found the fraternity? I'm interested to hear about your student experience and how you first got introduced to AKSI. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess I'll kind of start off by saying that AKSI was truly one of the most formative things that I did when I was um, in college. I actually didn't end up graduating um, from college. And uh, I think actually AKSI had had a lot to do with kind of my path and my journey and helping me really get clarity on what I wanted out of my career. And I, you know, I heard about the fraternity and it's really important for me to find a community wherever I am. And I knew I wanted to do something related to business, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like. And so I heard about AKSI. I went to school at Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt actually didn't have an undergrad business uh, school. And so kind of finding your fellow business-minded people, it wasn't challenging, but it wasn't as easily um, accessible as you know other institutions that perhaps had those undergraduate business schools. So it was really nice kind of immediately finding these like-minded individuals in the AKSI community. And even within you know, the AKSI community, I feel like I had kind of a somewhat non-traditional perspective and kind of um, how I thought about business and how I thought about myself, you know, in my own career. 
Um, a lot of the you know folks that I knew in college, at least, really wanted to do more of the traditional corporate route, which was you know fantastic. Um, but there were a few of us that really wanted to do entrepreneurship. So even within this small circle of of AKSI at Vanderbilt, I found even more of my people through that kind of little entrepreneurship group that we had, which was really fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm curious a little bit about how you process the decision not to finish your college education. I think there's a lot of things changing in higher education. So there might be some people definitely considering that route. I actually just heard the other day that some college seniors are being recruited to start their job before they graduate. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of them finish online. So just curious to hear a little bit about that, you know, how you process that decision and curious if you had any hurdles post that decision in the job force. Yeah, oh, I love that question. And um, and you're totally right. The landscape is completely changing as it relates to kind of the norms of how we, you know, go to school, go to, you know, post-secondary education and how we enter the workforce. Um, and at the time, it felt like I was kind of um, alone in that way. And, and I would say that was probably the biggest challenge of this is, is really I was kind of navigating this all on my own. I didn't really have um, strong mentors who had also dropped out of college and right. pursued an, uh, an entrepreneurial, uh, you know, uh, venture. So a lot of this was kind of just getting a lot of clarity with myself and what I actually wanted, what I thought would be fulfilling for me. And um, to kind of back up and give you a little bit of context on the story here, um, <laughs> when I was actually growing up, I saw both of my parents really not like their jobs. And Mm -hmm. I saw them kind of dread going to work every day. Mm -hmm. And from this really young age, I just kind of didn't want to become an adult. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to, you know, have a nine to five job where I'm not really excited about it. And so kind of from from that point, I got really curious about how people made career decisions. Um, And then I think when I got to college, I kind of just looked around and I was like, hmm, it's it's kind of no wonder why there are so many working Mm -hmm. professionals who don't really enjoy what they're doing. And it's because we kind of approach careers very unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's nothing to, you know, put all on higher ed to figure out. But um, it kind of just felt like to me that we we're really rolling the dice when it comes to our career choices and picking majors and, you know, enrolling in schools that were quite expensive. Um, and I really wanted to change that. And so um, in college, I had this kind of idea to help current college students Uh, work with alumni mentors based on strengths and professional interests. Um, Kind of, uh, you know, long story short there, it included a lot of the StrengthsFinder assessment and a lot of the research that Gallup had been doing um, as it relates to kind of the transition between higher ed and the workforce. Um, As a result of kind of putting this idea together, this, you know, kind of wireframe for this app that I envisioned, I actually just kind of cold outreach to an executive at Gallup. And I said, hey, you know, I'm a sophomore in college and you have no reason to respond to me right now, (laughs) but I know the initiative that you're working on because I was reading his blog. Um, I know the initiative that you're working on, you know, has a lot to do with what I'm working on too. Maybe I can help you. And so that kind of initial email where I just said, you know what, what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen here is he says no, or he doesn't respond to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what gave me the confidence to, to reach out to him. Ultimately, um, I was brought on to Gallup as somewhat of an entrepreneur. So kind of what you were describing earlier, where before folks graduate, kind of get recruited into different um, organizations. That's pretty much what happened um, with my pathway. And, you know, kind of going through that decision-making process, I kind of just had to be really honest with myself. And I knew that I really learned best through relationships 
versus kind of listening to things in a classroom. Um, I learn by doing, I learn through failure. And um, that wasn't always, you know, exactly what I think the, the traditional classroom could facilitate for me. And so I was like, man, I have this opportunity to work with, um, you know, this, this top executive. He was actually the former founder of Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. Um, he was brought on to Gallup. And so I knew he, you know, had this entrepreneurial mind too. And I just felt like this was such a great opportunity. I can't, I can't pass this up. Um, and so ultimately, you know, the end of the story, right, which is I, I left college and um, now I'm very, very grateful for that decision making, even though it, it felt very scary at the time. That's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing. I love that you just reached out. What do I have to lose? That's great. That's fantastic. Kind of on that same note, Ashley, um, thinking about, you know, the young professionals or or students that are in college right now that are listening, what advice would you have for them as they're, you know, thinking about what their first, you know, full-time job is going to be and what kind of company they want to work for? And with your experience with strengths and and using that to kind of find your place, um, what advice would you give for someone who's either looking for their first job or in college trying to figure out what they want to do and and how they can find kind of that good fit for them? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many different thoughts here. Um, (laughs) I'll try to keep this answer concise because I could truly take this in a number of directions. Um, so I think first and foremost, uh, you know, thinking about kind of your your first role out of college, I think we have a tendency to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right the first time. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of pressure that, you know, we need to have this really high paying job or this really fancy title at this top organization. Um, and I actually often felt you know, kind of like I was in a very competitive environment of school, but I remember kind of feeling that pressure uh, to, to work at organizations. I just remember looking back, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't do that. I'm so glad I didn't kind of do what my peers did because I knew that deep down it wasn't right for me. And so I think the key before even looking at organizations, before even thinking about what that first job is, is really getting clear on what are your values. Um, I, I think you really need to understand what your values are. You need to understand Um, what a company's values are as well, and kind of use these as sort of your guiding principles that you will live by and you'll make these decisions by. Um, You want to kind of align yourself with organizations that support what you ultimately want for your career, even though you don't necessarily have to have that completely laid out in front of you. You want to be in an environment that's going to facilitate those, those values. Um, and really what it kind of comes down to is, is really figuring out what your definition of success is. Um, I have the privilege of working with so many working professionals from all ages, all backgrounds, from C-suite level to, you know, folks who are just reentering the workforce. And one of the most common things that I hear from those who are very disengaged in what they do or very miserable in what they do is that they have followed someone else's definition of success for their entire career. And so, again, this all kind of goes back to values. It's getting really clear on what are those guiding principles that you live by and that you care about. And then how can you start to align yourself to different, not just organizations, but industries more broadly that support those values. Um, And again, that was something that I had to really kind of get clear on um, when I was making that decision to leave college because a lot of the values of kind of the path that I was going down um, really didn't align with with how I learned and, and how I operated. And so that was kind of how I really made that decision. Thanks for that insight. You know, you talk about values and those guiding principles. I think 
when I think back on my career, that's definitely been something that's driven me. And when it's time to leave a job, my values have always been the key indicator. And, you know, okay, this is starting to really rub on my values in a way that doesn't feel comfortable anymore. So now it's time for me to move on. So I'm curious what, you know, if if people are starting out and don't necessarily have that defined value system and couldn't really say, this is what my core values and guiding principles are. Are there any recommendations you have on how somebody can go about that process? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and I think we probably, you know, have a tendency to try to define values as something that's very explicit, right? You kind of think about it as like, how would I write this down in like an essay or an assignment in, in school? I think oftentimes values aren't necessarily something that can be fully explicitly defined. I think it's kind of sort of your just natural tendencies and your decision-making patterns and how you just generally are kind of oriented to the world. Um, For me, at least, I don't think I had a really clear sense of what my values were, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. back when I was, you know, 19 and 18 making these, these big decisions. Um, But I kind of knew what I didn't want. I kind of knew what Mm. my values were not. And I think that's actually kind of the key in kind of figuring out what your values actually are is kind of knowing what they're not first. Um, And, you know, that's kind of a a core philosophy that I have with career decision making more broadly Mm -hmm. is you'll you'll figure out what you don't want before you probably figure out what you do want. Mm -hmm. And I think values are, are no different. And so I think in order to kind of really get clarity on what your values are is to really just expose yourself to as many different people, um, as many different types of, you know, uh, industries, organizations, but more than that, outside of the professional world, just life experiences, right? Like you mm-hmm. should expose yourself to different lifestyles and different ways of approaching um, just, you know, how to live more broadly. Um, that could mean like traveling, it could be volunteering, it could be signing yourself up for a class that let's say for me, for example, I'm terrible at art, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. putting me in a position where I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm going to do like a paint class, for example, and I'm going to try to learn how to do this. It's just kind of putting yourself in positions where you're out of your comfort zone and you're learning a lot about what do you do when you don't have a formal script in front of you? What are your kind of natural tendencies and how to act? And I think those can be really helpful in defining what your values are. I love your point about sometimes you have to know what you don't want first, um, because I think that is easier, especially when you're looking for a job. It's so hard to be like, well, what do I want? You definitely know what you don't want. And I think um, informational interviews for people, just reaching out to anybody, no matter what they do, and just kind of picking their brain and then asking for an introduction to somebody else is a great way, like you said, to really explore what's out there. Great tip. You've been listening to Business Edge, brought to you by Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity and sponsored by Synergos Association Management Company. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Jumping back a little bit, you talked about disengagement earlier, and then you also had mentioned, you know, kind of seeing your parents and not being happy with what they were doing and going to work every day. From your experience at Gallup and and your knowledge now, what does employee engagement look like? And how does someone know, hey, I'm really engaged in my work, or maybe I'm disengaged? And what are those kind of indicators that someone might be engaged or disengaged? 
Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and I, I think my first reaction is that there are levels of, of engagement and disengagement. For everyone's listening right now and they're like, I don't really know where I am on that scale. It's okay. It's, it's a pretty broad spectrum and it's oftentimes quite difficult to kind of really understand where you are. And I think it's really good to you know, create a habit of, of reflecting on kind of how you feel about your work. Um, to kind of put it simply, I, I th- think engagement is really just kind of your general enthusiasm and how involved you are in the work that you do and in the organization that you're a part of. I would actually kind of group those two things together. Um, and it's it's sort of this kind of feeling that you have that, you know, you wake up and you look forward to what you're doing. Um, it's not necessarily something that you do on a daily basis, right? Not every day of work is going to feel like this, you know, magical thing, even as somebody who I consider myself to be in my dream job right now. There are days that I wake up and I don't always look forward to what I have to do that day, but on average, I very much look forward to going to work way more than I don't. Um, In addition to that, it could be things like having really positive interactions with your coworkers. Um, You know, Gallup has this entire um, survey research on kind of what engagement looks like, but some of the core aspects of that are really just having somebody at work that you look forward to seeing. So having the best friend at work, um, it's also kind of shows up in how you treat, you know, customers or clients, whatever that looks like. Um, you're more likely to, you know, tell your friends and your family that where you work is, is you know, it's a great place to be. Um, and then just kind of thinking about it on more of a micro level, um, those who are more engaged are more likely to get things done, right? There's, so there's just so much research out there that those who are more engaged in their jobs are far more productive than those who aren't. Um, and in addition to that, when you're engaged, you're much more creative and you're much, you know, more in a, in a different headspace where, um, you're able to, to really kind of access those higher level areas of thinking. I think the latest research says that, um, you are six times less likely to be engaged in a job if you're not in a role that uses your strengths every day. Mm. So another kind of big component of this is, is making sure that you're in a role that uses your strengths consistently. Um, and, and you're able to kind of leverage what you do best and kind of what you do naturally. Um, I realized that was kind of all over the place, but I think all of those kind of encapsulate what engagement is because sometimes it is hard to define, um, and really kind of, you know, cut through the noise as to what this actually is. No, that's, that's super helpful. I think people can relate to that. You know, are you excited to get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and work or do you dread it? you know, five days out of five, then you Mm -hmm. might be disengaged. Uh, Mm -hmm. That would be a good indicator. So I'm curious a little bit with your company Mission Collaborative. Talk to us a little bit about how you met your co-founder and kind of how the idea was born and what your partnership looks like. Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, I met my co-founder through a mutual friend. Um, We met, um, so I'm in DC. I've been in DC for I think it's seven years now, which feels like a long time. (laughs) Um, But we met basically the the first year that I moved there. We were part of this kind of mutual friend group and kind of ed tech, you know, founder group. Um, And we met through, you know, a mutual friend, like I said. And essentially, this person put us in touch and said, you guys think pretty much the exact same way. And I remember my first phone call, um, his name's Grant, with Grant. I remember hanging up the phone and I was like, I, I feel like I just had a conversation with myself. Um, hmm. And what was really clear from that conversation is number one, we think very similarly in terms of what we think the future of work and future of education will look like. Um, but 
But more importantly, we had very, very similar values. So again, kind of going back to that, um, you know, piece about values, it's really important for anybody that you work with um, is, is to have that, that clear value alignment. Um, I actually joined Mission Collaborative as somewhat of a, I would call myself a later stage founder. Um, mm. it, was, it was not something that was a full-time thing, um, you know, around the time that I met Grant. Um, in fact, Mission Collaborative started off as doing in-person just kind of meetup groups. So it was kind of free meetup groups for people in the, you know, D.C. area, professionals who were kind of, you know, figuring out what they wanted to do next. Um, and I joined the organization right as we were building an online curriculum and taking this to universities. And that's when things really kind of took off because um, previously I was working at the, the Bay Area startup and I was learning a lot about, you know, high paying tech careers and things like that. And I felt like it was a good time for me to get into the driver's seat of, of an organization and all of it was truly perfect timing. Um, and so we kind of took that in-person curriculum and put it into an online format. And now we work with, I, I believe it's around 50 plus alumni associations for universities, you know, all across the United States, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. from Harvard to MIT to, you know, UC Davis, um, you know, to, to, you know, many different universities in between. And so we offer our program on behalf of alumni associations. And so we've now worked with thousands and thousands of alumni from those institutions, helping them kind of figure out what comes next for them. Oh, that's a great service. And yeah. I, it's a different approach than what most traditional career services take, too. So that's fascinating. Thank you for sharing. It looks like you guys have quite a large staff, too. So you must have really grown things quite a bit. Yeah, we have a lot of program managers who who really help us and who are all you know trained in, in career design, but also aren't necessarily kind of who you think of when you think of a traditional career coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have like an epidemiologist, for example, we have, mm-hmm. uh, we have folks who are more traditional consultants. And I actually think that's quite important when you're kind of working with somebody to kind of figure out what comes next for them. Um, it, you know, it's one thing to work with somebody who has been in a, a career kind of development position their entire career. But I think it's another thing to talk to somebody who's been in the workforce and who mm-hmm. has kind of ridden the ups and downs of, of mm-hmm. what that feels like and can speak to different industries and what they know about those different industries. And so we were very intentional about creating a staff that was diverse um, in terms of experiences and backgrounds. And that has honestly really helped um, the participants who, who go through our program. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So you mentioned the future of work. Um, we've been talking quite a bit on the podcast about you know, the pandemic and and this great resignation and how, you know, things have kind of changed kind of drastically over the last couple of years. What do you foresee, um, you know, coming with these changes? And and how does that impact the way that you work with your with your clients? Yeah, so first and foremost, um, I think the pandemic has really uh, forced a lot of people to kind of rethink what their relationship with work is. Um, I think that's kind of no secret at this point, given mm-hmm. all the uh, all the resignations that are going on. Um, but I think, you know, taking that one step further, I love to talk about this idea of, of a career portfolio. And I think what the pandemic has done is it's finally given us permission to think about our careers as a career portfolio versus a, a career path. Um, and so to kind of define what a career portfolio is. So a career portfolio is kind of probably what you might be thinking in your head. So it's kind of this collection 
of different roles, skills, experiences that you've acquired throughout your life that can add value to an organization or an employer. Um, and what's really interesting about portfolios is that it actually incorporates things that aren't necessarily things that have shown up in a traditional work environment. Um, so for example, if you were you know, a trail guide um, for a backpacking group, um, there are so many skills that you learned as a result of doing that as being a leader in that type of environment that can absolutely transfer to the world of work. And so I think for too long, we have really subscribed to this belief that every job that we have needs to fit neatly into this linear path that has a singular destination. Mm -hmm. um, we put so much weight and so much stress on each career decision because I, I we, we just, you know, we don't want it to divert us from the path that we've been on or the path that we think we need to follow. And so I really believe that, you know, the pandemic has kind of pushed this idea of having a, you know, a linear career path aside and has really kind of started to embrace this idea of a career portfolio because we've realized that, hey, work isn't everything. We have a lot of other things going on in our lives that we also need to tend to and take care of. Um, and work and life looks a lot more like a squiggly line than a, you know, a neat linear ladder. Um, so I, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's a really great change um, in terms of kind of shifting the norms and the conversation around the world of work. And, you know, I guess if there's something that I really want people to leave with here today is that, you know, all your career decisions are not going to fit neatly into this path, but they're going to look a lot like a squiggly line. And basically it's your job to make those connections between those squiggly lines. Um, and that's the most important thing versus having things neatly kind of fit into a pathway. I love that. And I think Chrissy and I, we've talked, we, we mm -hmm. can both relate to that. Absolutely. That's great advice. I'm curious what advice you have for employers, knowing that this is the shift and this is kind of the direction. What advice do you have for employers to try to really engage and make the workplace a good fit for this now work portfolio and mm -hmm. this nonlinear career path? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think this has been a long time coming. And I think what we have for traditional higher education and, and education in general, just kind of career education and career development, I think that needs to show up a lot more in the corporate world and in the world of work. I think it's very important for organizations to very intentionally sit down with each employee and just be really honest and say, hey, I know you're probably not going to be here forever. So, what can we do? during this time that we are together to set each other up for success in whatever comes next. Um, I think it's just really important to kind of acknowledge that, you know, the traditional kind of career path where you stay at one organization for 20 plus years is dead. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, employers, the more honest they can be and the more authentic that they can be with each employee um, around what their career aspirations are, I think the better off they're going to be because then you can actually understand what somebody really wants out of this role. Mm -hmm. um, I just remember, you know, in past roles that I've had, I wish so badly that my manager had just sat down with me and said, Ashley, what do you, what do you want to do with your career after this? And just kind of broken that ice of, I'm not going to stay here forever. So can, can mm -hmm. we help each other in the meantime, you know, uh, with, with whatever comes next year. And so I, I think having that sort of relationship where you're freely open to talk about mm -hmm. kind of broader career aspirations, and I'm not saying, in, you know, in the next step in the next five years, but more broadly, if you want to build a business someday, and you're in a sales role, if I'm a sales manager, I would love to know that because then I could help, 
you know, develop whatever employee that I had that wants to become an entrepreneur, really hone in on those skills that are very necessary to, you know, launch a business someday. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think the more you're transparent with your employees, the more they're going to be open about, okay, now's the time. And so you're not caught off guard and those employees are more willing to transition, but they're also more willing to really set the employer up for success when they leave. So I think that's a really great point about that open communication and recognizing that, you know, the days of people being someone, you know, 30 years and retiring at the same company are few and far between. Yeah, and and I can you know speak to experience with the the piece about just you know creating that open and honest, transparent environment. Um, you know, obviously, Mission Collaborative helps people design fulfilling careers, and so with all of our you know folks who work with us, we are very honest with them and say you know we know we are just one chapter in your journey, mm. and we actually offer career development conversations whenever on call, whenever somebody needs it. And we've been able to have a lot of people stick around and stay with us much longer because they've been very open and honest about what they've been feeling and other priorities mm-hmm. that have come up for them. And we've really you know, figured out a way to make things flexible for them and make it work for you know, all the things that they're trying to achieve in their personal lives. And it's just helped you know, from a manager's perspective. It just helps me understand where somebody's mind is. And I can really help to kind of you know, create situations and, and, you know, create experiences for them that can really set them up for success. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, doing that is a benefit for you all as well, because when you give someone, you know, a lane that they can thrive in, they're going to be more productive, like you mentioned earlier, and right. they're going to do better work and they're going to be more satisfied and engaged and you guys are going to get great work out of them. So right. it's, it seems like a win-win for companies to really embrace that. Right. Well, I think uh, we're probably wrapping up the conversation, and we always like to ask our signature question here at the Business Edge. So we will ask that of you now. So tell us about a time when your values were challenged and what the situation was and how you approached that. Yeah, uh, this is something that I feel like will, you know, has come up and and will continue to come up. Um, I, I think for me, what really stands out is not necessarily one moment in particular, but Um, it's sort of kind of this collective kind of a handful of experiences. So Mission Collaboratives is entirely bootstrapped as an organization. We do not take any outside funding and Mm -hmm. we've been very intentional about creating a business that is thoughtful. Uh, We grow a little bit slower than, Mm -hmm. than some of those fast growing startups, but we do it with purpose and, there are times where we have been approached by outside investors, by people who are, you know, in the space, you know, kind of throwing out these really enticing numbers saying, oh, you guys could be at this scale or you could be doing X, Y, Z, you know, if you were to kind of go this route of seeking outside investment. And I will be honest with you, it has been very tempting to consider what that might look like and to kind of think about the scale that we could, we could, you know, bring our services to. But at the same time, I always go back to this, is that right for the business? Is that right for what I want in my personal life and what my business partner wants in in his life as well? And those guiding principles, those values have not changed, um, even though they do kind of get tempted every once in a while Mm -hmm. when we hear outside investors, you know, kind of knocking on our door saying, you guys could really take it to this, you know, level. Um, It's just something that, you know, I think, is really important to have that very clear vision as to the types of decision making that you should have as an organization and as a business owner, even when circumstances change. 
Um, I think it's really important to not necessarily have this clear idea as to what the end goal of the business is before you start it. I think it should be more seen as a journey. Um, at least that's how we've kind of approached it at Mission Collaborative. And we're guided more about our principles versus, uh, you know, a paycheck. And so that's been something that has been core to who we are. And that has certainly been challenged and it's been very hard. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, deep down, I know that we've, we've made the right decision and, and, you know, growth comes thoughtfully and slowly for us. And that's how we like it. And um, we don't, you know, compromise the experience of our participants. We don't compromise the experience of our, you know, program managers and all the people who put so much love and time into, you know, creating the organization that we are today. That's a great response. Thank you. And I think that's really important that you guys have set your intentions of what you want your company to be and you stay that path and you still reevaluate it, right? When somebody comes in and knocks on your door, as you say, but you um, know where you guys want to head and how you want to do it. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really great to talk to you and thank you for sharing all of your experiences. Uh, We're really lucky to have you a part of our AKSI network. Thank you so much for having me. This is truly kind of a dream come true. I, I just... AKSI has given me so much and I have learned so much, you know, through the people within AKSI. Um, and I truly, I, I feel like I've learned confidence in myself because of, of my experiences, you know, through this amazing, you know, network in this amazing community. So I feel like I should be thanking you all um, for, for, uh, for this experience and for having me on and, um, you know, would be more than happy to participate in any kind of future um, events that you have to offer. Yeah. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for listening to Business Edge. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for us, email businessedge at akside.org.